This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. There it is, folks, the drum fill you've yeah, all been waiting for. rack a deck a deck a deck a dam That means it is 12.02 on 3RRR FM. Hello, Matt. Hello, Cameron. How hey. are you? Um, look, I'm warmer. Yeah, no, it's actually, it's very cosy in the studio here today. It's very nice. And look, this is uh, this is our wish for you, wherever you may be in this state, in this land. Maybe you're not even around here. Maybe you might mm-hmm. be listening from the Northern Hemisphere. You're going, it's pretty hot in here. Um, welcome to Eat It on 3 Triple I hope you're warm. It is cold. And not just in Victoria. They're saying uh, possibility of snow as far north as southern Queensland. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Right up, folks. That's big weather. Big, ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh, hello. And we all said, ooh, hello. That's, uh, that's Alan Campion going, what's on the show? We'll turn it on and you can have a listen, <laughs> mate. Might be a good idea. Hey, Cameron, what is on the show? Oh, I'm glad you asked me yeah. that. Um, we've got Catherine Harding representing... In the uh, in the corner for good, Jamie Oliver's Ministry of Food mobile kitchen. What is that? You ask. What is that? Oh, it's big. It's about fifteen meters long, and really, uh, it's going to be in Princess Park. Uh-huh. It's going to be teaching people how to cook. Uh-huh. A necessary thing in this world, I would say to he, you. He does a bit of that. He does. He? Yeah. he does. He does some good things. So um, that's starting tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, and Catherine's going to come and have a chat to us about that. Ian Curley. Is uh, is in the house? Yes. yes he's chilling is. in the green room. He's chilling in the green room. And he's brought his butcher, Simon Poole, from uh, the, I don't know what we call them, the European group. There's a group? Oh, I guess so. Right. Well, there's, a, there's a few restaurants oh, that he sort of represents, you know, yes. up around Spring Street. But, yes. um, yeah, we thought we'd have a chat to, his, uh, to Simon, Simon yes. Poole, who's uh, a Torontonian. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's a long way from home. From Teo. He'd be used to this weather. Uh, yeah, well, we might ask him about that. Yeah. Um, I think they build the houses a little bit better and warmer in Canada, though, I think. <laughs> Something about uh, triple glazed windows and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, we're going to talk about um, we're going to talk about butchery, and uh, he makes the most amazing bacon. Oh, really? Yeah, really mm. amazing. Mm. Well, we'll talk to him a little bit about that. Yes. So Ian Curley's in, um, and Simon's in as well. And uh, we also have John Patton. Mm. Um, it's the end of NADOC week this week, and um, I've got a hold of John Patton, mm. and he's from the Bunjilaka Aboriginal Cultural Centre. Yes. And we might talk to him a little bit about, um, well, Aboriginal food, yes, um, habits, history, um, the seasons in, uh, in, in Melbourne. And in Australia more broadly, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, apparently there's not four seasons here, there's six. Um, and I think we've got one today that's yes. just <laughs> it's locked on, yes. Yeah, very, 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 very cold. Uh, but uh, before we go on too much, uh, a couple things. We wanted to wish a very, very happy birthday to the Everly down yes. there in Gertrude Street, serving really top-notch good hooch, I'm as my ca- mum would say. <laughs> I'm going to call it Melbourne's Best Cocktails. Sure. If you've not checked out the Everly, uh, you really ought to. Mm. It's good. Um, a beautiful environment, professional service, great staff, all those sort of things. Anyway, four years. Mm. Congratulations to all those guys there. And also, I want to say about, um, you know, we talk about revivals. We mm. talk about renaissance. We talk about resurrections. Well, I'm back anyway. I'm just <laughs> yes. pulling that out of the air. Going, ah, it's another R word, another R word. Yes. <laughs> the Dogs Bar. Ah, down In there St. on Ackland Street, Yes. That has been through a few iterations, is it not? What does it mean to you as a place? I still look at it as a good place to go on an afternoon or evening for a glass of wine and a quick bowl of food, which I think is exactly what it was intended to be when it was Do you remember up. the penne with the veal ragu that used to be there? No. Oh, it was a great dish. Anyway, yeah. it used to be, it was, it was run, it was envisioned by a guy called Don Levy Fitzpatrick. Yes. A man of great... Um, integrity and vision for the restaurant industry and a man who changed the industry, someone I was lucky enough to work with yes. um, back in the day. But he bought the Dogs Bar and the Dogs Bar sort of represented to me this last sort of bastion of Bohemian St Kilda, a place where people could come together, um, eat and drink well. It wasn't expensive. It was a great place. It had the stereo fireplaces. It still does. Yes. And then Lion Nathan 
bought it. I didn't realise they bought it. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, it, it, it was diminished for many, 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 many years. Mm. Um, but I would say to you that there's a guy called Paul Cooper who was uh, who I've known who's um, was instrumental. He was in um, O'Connell's. Yes. Maloof's Old Pub. Yes, in South Melbourne. Great chef. Anyway, he's brought mm. great food back to this place. I'm oh, dying cool. to go and eat there. Yes. I heard he's back. Um, but uh, there is a reason to go back to the dog's bar. And on a day like today, yeah, with those perfect. two fireplaces going from either side. And some fine wine behind the bar. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, nostalgic. Yes. But no. a good reason to check do it out. Go. So anyway, just uh, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a reason to come to, uh, to St Kilda and it isn't just the golden arches across the road from there. Yes. Huh? <laughs> huh? Okay. Um, what else have we got here to start off the show? Uh-huh. Uh, I have a food quote today. Oscar Wilde, mm-hmm. from the importance of being earnest, he said, Well, I can't eat muffins in an agitated manner. The butter would probably get on my cuffs. One should always eat muffins quite calmly. It's the only way to eat them. Hmm? <laughs> I can't remember the last time I've been agitating in a muffin, but I will, I will heed that advice. Or if you have too much coffee beforehand, you start... Shaking. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, before you, I've got, uh, and uh, it's interesting in that uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, it's National Blueberry Muffin Day. One of the great things to yes. put in a muffin, I would say to you. Um, it is also National Mojito Day. Didn't this just come around a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, I don't know. They, hey. They've probably been drinking so many, they forgot. <laughs> let's, let's do it again. Let's have National Day. Why, who's with me? Um <laughs> And uh, what have we got? The Feast of Theano, the patron of vegetarianism. Go, Theano. Yes. Uh, and uh, what else we got? Um, St. Benedict of Narcia Feast Day, mm-hmm. uh, the patron of farm workers. And if you were lucky enough, if you were in Spain at the moment, you could be running with the bulls. Yeah. <laughs> just cute sign. Yeah, nice. It's just not one of life's great natural selection moments. Idiots who think it's a good idea to run with wild animals and upset them. Darwin Award Pretty possible much. nomination. I'm on the side of the bulls. <laughs> 12 and 9. Get them, you guys. Here at uh, Get 3 Triple RFM. Hey, we were just going to look briefly into the mirror behind us uh, in a time sort of... Fa- anyway. What we, mirror? We didn't thank the scientists. Thank you to the scientists for another excellent show. Oh, we didn't. And really. you wanted to point out that uh, you got hooked in again last night. Oh, yeah, 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 it's probably the fatigue that, uh, that has done that. Um, yeah, Headley Gritter, he, he got me, uh, dirtbag. Uh, the party show. If you've never tuned in, oh, beware. It starts at midnight and it ends at two and there and he was. And he happened to be talking about food. and Which is very relevant for our interested audience, I'm sure. Gabby Gates. Right. Gabriel Gatte yes. was, was on. Um, he was talking and making all sorts of great pronouncements and just making sense. Got his wives. Mm. Um, he was on Katerina from Katerina's uh, restaurant, also mm-hmm. <sighs> broadcasting on the soon-to-be-defunct Channel 31 network, which we were despairing of we uh, were just earlier in the show. show. Yeah. Um, and um, from Jimmy Watson's wine bar. Anyway, it was a fa- fa- fascinating show. And you can check it out. Just go to um, Radio On Demand on the Triple R website. You can listen back to it. Yeah, I didn't get to bed till about sleep till about three. Thanks to you, Headley Gritty. You did it to me again. 12.10 here on 3 Triple R FM. We are going to be finding out about uh, a big mobile food thing that's going to be happening in Princess Park. And uh, Jamie Oliver's behind it. We've got Catherine coming in to talk about it after this. Catherine Harding representing Jamie Oliver's Ministry of Food Mobile Kitchen. A very, very good afternoon to you. Thank you for having me here. Did you warm up in the green room? Oh, a little bit. I'm almost defrosted. Yeah. God, it's cold in the kitchen. You don't want to go out there. It's freezing. It's freezing out there. But um, we are here to talk about... um, Well, we're here to talk about Jamie Oliver, who's... uh, you know, we talk about people, if only he'd used his power for good. And (laughs) uh, the one thing you can say about Jamie Oliver is he has used... Quite a good portion of his powers for good. Maybe not all. I mean, we have to, you know, you're going to have a little bit of duality in your life, I suppose. But, man, interesting. He's looking yes. at me scans going, where are you going with this? <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I'm pulling back. It's all right. But um, Jamie Oliver is involved in, um, in, a, in a great thing that's going to be happening, and it's starting tomorrow in Princess Park. Yeah, that's correct. So um, Jamie's very passionate about um, chronic disease and obesity and reducing the impacts of diet-related disease, and mm. that's what led him to set up the Ministry of Food in the UK. 
And um, we've brought it out here to Australia where it's been running for about three years now across Victoria and Queensland. Mm. Um, yeah, which uh, is fantastic. So, all right, well, let, let, maybe start with the genesis. So what was it? I mean, this is such a Dorothy Dixon, but what was it that he railed against that he said, oh, I've got to do something? Um, I think both as a chef and a dad, he looked around and just saw what's going on. We're living in a time of abundance with so much great produce, so much great mm. food, and people are, are just getting more and more unhealthy, um, which is, you know, what motivated him to start the Ministry of Food. You know, it's recognising that, you know, we have all this great food, but we're all forgetting how to cook, that um, we're all working hard, we're time poor. And those skills just aren't being passed down through the generations past, you know, parents are, are Two family, uh, two parents both working, don't have time to cook their kids dinner and buying them takeaway and he wanted to put a stop to that. So showing people that you really can cook simple, healthy, affordable meals quickly and easily after a day at work. Because one of the, the, the really important things I think about growing up is, you know, you learn all sorts of things, but it's the one of those things should be cultural traditions that get handed down, recipes, techniques, um, and ability to make your own decisions about nutrition. Yeah, definitely. Because that's it. It's almost, as we were sort of talking about, and I've said this uh, ad infinitum, the fact that knowing how to cook is almost a political act these days. Yeah, it's it's so important. Like knowing how to cook, having those skills um, gives you the ability to control your life and control your health, keep mm. yourself healthy, keep your kids healthy, um, and, it, and it sets you up for life. Mm. And days. actually, you know, I was talking, I don't know if you heard when we came in, the, there was a, a dreadful man last night who kept me up uh, late. His name's Hadley Gritter, and he does a thing called The Party Show, mm-hmm. which goes till 2 o'clock in the morning. He had Gabriel Gatte on, and Gabriel, who, you know, again, wise man, he said, you know, the ability to know how to cook sets you up for good nutrition and therefore your health. Definitely. Because we are seeing now with, I think it's only uh, oh, roughly 10, 12, 15% of people now smoke in yep. the population. Yep. The greatest killer used to be lung cancer mm-hmm. in, in our society. Now... It's chronic disease. Yeah. Diet-related disease. Yeah. Yep. So, the, the, as the Japanese would say, the cranes have returned to roost. Yeah, it's amazing. So, we know in Australia only 8% of adults are eating the recommended daily serves of vegetables. And whoa, 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 whoa. Eight? Eight um, Did you get that, man? And wait, it gets worse. Well, wait. City of Melbourne yeah. drops to 4%. So 4% of, of adults in the city of Melbourne. So that's, that's, a, that's a few vegetarians in the inner north doing a lot of heavy lifting. <laughs> yeah, 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 good. Um, that's, uh, wow. Okay, yeah. that, that focuses then, the mind. So. Yeah, and then well, they've done some research and they said um, if Australians increase their vegetable consumption by two servers a day, that would represent savings of about $70 million for our healthcare costs per annum. Hmm. So, you know, just putting a few more veggies on our plate is something that can have a massive impact on the health of all Australians. And that's what we're here all about solving here at the Ministry of Food. What are you going to do? So Um, what are you doing? What we do. Hmm. um, We teach people how to make uh, healthy, simple, affordable meals. So it's about giving people those Such as? Give us some examples. not meant to tell you the recipes really? <laughs> it's all a bit of a surprise oh, wow. i can tell you that we start with the basics yeah so our first class make ratatouilles no don't okay <laughs> so you said you wouldn't do it yeah okay. yes um our first class is all about eggs and we will literally teach you how to poach the perfect egg i'm very proud i did the course i can now poach six eggs simultaneously in one pot do you use the whirlpool no whirlpool. No whirlpool. No whirlpool. Oh, okay. I can't tell you. You've got to okay, come and do the course. Okay, right. Okay, so, <laughs> so um, the idea is that it's um, it's a mobile food teaching. What do we call it? What's the name? We call of this it thing? a mobile kitchen. No, just, that's that's good. That's catchy. Um, I like it's that. It's a giant truck. It's absolutely fifteen meters long. Apparently. Yeah, fifteen meters long. Um, all kitted out in Jamie style. So when you come on board, it's just beautiful. It's really homely, gorgeous colors. Mm. All kitted out with domestic grade appliances. So everything you'd find in a normal home. Nothing, yes. nothing intimidating in there. Yeah. Um, we've got four cooking stations. So three people working around each bench. Yes. Um, a wall of ovens as well. 
Um, we provide all the ingredients. You come on board, you cook your own food, so you're in control of your own pan, mm-hmm. uh, learn how to cook, and everything that you cook as part of the program, you get to take home to show off to your family and friends. So most classes, you're leaving with a meal for two to take home with you. Gotcha. Um, how long does this course go for? It goes for five weeks, so you come once a week. Um, at the same time every week for five weeks. Really? And it's a 90-minute class each week. Wow, okay. Um, and what sort of people are you um, you're hoping to get along to this? Apparently um, most of it, the first um, sessions are already booked out. Pretty much. What do you much. call those, the first? First cycle. Cycle. So we're, right. we're going to be in the city the of cycles. Melbourne um, for a 10-week period. So we're doing a one five-week cycle starting on Monday. Yes. If you jump on the website quickly at jamiesministryoffood.com.au, I think there's seven spots left in cycle one, or there were when I checked before. Yeah. Um, but if they're all gone, you can log on tomorrow, and we're releasing the second second um, cycle mm-hmm. tomorrow. Um, we're really targeting, well, we're targeting anyone in the community. Clearly, if only 4% of adults are eating their, their veggies, mm. <laughs> I think everyone needs to come along. Um, but we are reaching out to communities. So we've been working really closely with, um, council here with City of Melbourne, um, to reach out to vulnerable and disadvantaged groups. So we've been working with local community organisations and we've already got 220 people booked into the program, um, through that work with community groups. So 220. The great, uh, one of the, the things that really caught my attention about this is that it's not, um, like, I don't think Jamie's going to buy another place at, like, Como with the money from this. No, um, not. But um, because it seems to be almost like a loss leader, to be honest with yeah. you. $20, um, and that's before we get into concessions. If you are at risk, if you've got a healthcare card, it comes down to $5. $5 a class for concession card holders, yeah. You know, it's it's a great thing. It's just a shame there's just not more people being taught. I mean, if you're talking about 200 people, I mean, that's so that's really just the scratching the surface, isn't it, of, oh, of this problem? Yeah, across the 10 weeks, we'll have over about 550 people, I think, okay. coming through the course. Yeah. Um, we're really lucky, thanks to our sponsors like City of Melbourne, Woolworths and the good guys, that we've got really highly subsidised rates. So that's what keeps the course program so low. Mm. Um you know, providing our ingredients and giving other things to, to keep the cost down so we can have community members come in for a fraction of what it costs us to deliver the program. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, remember, folks, I mean, and that's probably why you're listening to Eat It on noon on a, on a Sunday is that you're probably interested a little bit about food. But it is the fact that you really are empowering yourself to have an ability to cook. And unfortunately, we are... we and a healthy life. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a very good thing. And um, Ian Curley, who's uh, out there in the green room, he's coming to open that tomorrow. Yeah, I know. It's exciting that Ian's well, sitting out here today. It's the very well organised. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're all connected. That's good. Um, so we're having a little event to open the open the start of classes with the Lord Mayor and Ian and Toby Puddick are coming along to do a little cook-off with the with the Mayor. And, well, it makes and, sense. I suppose yeah. Toby Puddick's there, being part of 15 and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, so they're both um, ambassadors for us at Ministry of Food, which is fantastic. Oh, yeah, brilliant. Okay, so um, the call to action. How do people get more information if they uh, want to find out about this? Um, please just go to our website. So um, log on to jamiesministryoffood.com.au. Um, see if you can get yourself enrolled in Cycle 1. If not, log back on tomorrow at midday and the places for Cycle 2 will be open and, and get involved. We'd love to see everyone down at Princess Park doing the program yeah. and having some fun. Well, um we doffs our lids to uh, to you guys for doing that. Um, congratulations on it, and um, I hope that this increases and uh, and there are, there are more. Because I don't know, do do we teach cooking in schools anymore? Um, we do in high school, so yeah. there's no there's no pra- compulsory practical mm. um, cooking in primary schools, um, which is something Jamie's also very passionate about. So we're also launching a, a kids program, Learn Your Fruit and Veg, yeah. which is all about getting getting kids involved in learning about fruit and vegetables and how well, to cook. Well, thank God we have people like Jamie Oliver and, of course, Stephanie Alexander has to be yeah, acknowledged at, at this stage with, uh, with teaching people how to cook and empowering them. 12.22 and a half here on 3RRR. Catherine, thank you again for coming in. Thank you so much for having me. Ah, it is an absolute pleasure. Well... Um, we are going to get uh, Mr. Curley and his butcher, Simon. We are. In, in a second. But, but first, yes. some music came out. Oh, indeed. What a, what a good thing.
And you're in control. I am in control and watch <laughs> me go. <laughs> we just need to hit play on iTunes, folks. Yeah, it's one of those things. I am in charge of this computer. It says that it's playing. Well, there we go. That. Just got to pull it down a little bit. Never in doubt. LFO. We thought um, this might be a good thing to be having while you're driving in through the grey and the rain. Don't worry, there's a warm fire somewhere waiting for you, we hope. 12.23 on Triple R. L-F-O. That was L-F-O. And yes. I probably need to stop that because otherwise we'll keep on going. Yeah, Matt, just kill it, shall we? <laughs> yes, I think I did. Um, Simon Poole. G'day. Hey. Are you, are you hiding your <laughs> Canadian accent? Never. Never. No. Um, Simon Poole from the European. He's the butcher. Um... The Butcher of Spring Street. We could do it. <laughs> yeah, that's <just> right. <clears throat> just indeed. Up. And uh, next to him, on his yes. left, uh, Ian Curley. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey. It's actually good afternoon. Sorry, sorry I was up late watching the Ashes. Just thought I'd throw that in. <laughs> just thought I'd throw that in. What, and what, we're what back. Are you, are you starting off a bit of schadenfreude? Well, just, just like, no, I'm just, uh-huh, Aussies. You know, well, let, let's just mention it. Let's just throw it out right, there on, that we're back winning. Bit. Yes, and it's right. very quiet. Nothing in the paper today, is there? Well, oh, no. you know, um, a, a, a couple minutes of sunshine okay. will, will happen for the English, uh, yeah. and then don't worry, the uh, the yes. primordial fog. Yeah, that's right. Too. And we brought the English weather with us this yeah, morning. Yeah. Well, I was going to say it makes it must feel you must feel sort of homesick. I'm loving it. Out there. <laughs> we're winning. The, we're winning in the ashes, and it's raining. <laughs> there is a God, and it and it is a, a beautiful thing. Simon, I thought we'd um, get you in because. Uh, I had the honour of meeting you at where were we? Sacred uh, uh, the Palais. Yes, dine with heart. Yes. Dining with heart. Where, and where were we on the on the stage of the Palais? Table one. Far out. It was kind of fun, wasn't it? An enchanting evening. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Some enchanted evening. You might meet a butcher, and I did. And um, well, first of all. When you have someone like Ian Curley, and when someone like Ian Curley says that someone is kind of cool, you sort of prick your ears and go, mm, okay, that's interesting. And I remember Ian was uh, was very complimentary about you. Now he's getting all embarrassed. But he said, yeah, Simon, he's, he's good. I think I may have been drunk. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> no, no, no. It was a bit monosyllabic. No. Maybe that was it. Yeah, Simon, he's good. Yeah. He was drunk, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, first of all, how long have you been the butcher for, um, um, what do we call the European group? Yeah. yeah. Probably about a year Yeah, to the week, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Happy, oh, so happy so, anniversary. So, so obviously he's counting down to something. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. It's like, <laughs> all right, so this is part uh, of the five-year plan. Okay. I mean, the year one. Yeah, all right, okay. get ready for uh, the for the for the note. I wonder what we'll be talking about next week. Yeah. <laughs> so where are you from, first of all? Um, I was born out west in Alberta, in Canada. Yeah. But I kind of spent about ten years in the cooking industry in Toronto. Yeah. Just kind of you know feeling my way through. Toronto and, Toronto. I mean, if you take away the crazy climate that it has, because the winters are a lot colder in there, but there's a lot of similarities between Melbourne and Toronto, would you say? Uh, great great, great migration. Yeah. Look, so very diverse. I, uh, I prefer Melbourne a lot more, but, you know. Hey, you're only human. People, uh, <laughs> people like Toronto. I, I'm not huge on it. Somehow it takes, you know, third best livable city in the, in the world every year or something. Well, if you just effect. take away the winter. Yeah, no, and the... <laughs> Mm. Makes everyone miserable, and anyway. I remember, yeah, well, I did my last year of high school in Toronto, and the one thing I remember was just the slush and the death of liver. But let's let's talk about food. How did you get involved in food? Um, what was I it? I watched, uh, that's right around the time Food Network was getting big when I was a kid. What's the Food Network? Uh, you know. No. Oh, you don't know. But we have to, we have to assume, we don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, just, you know, 24 hours of, of food programming and that right around then was the beginning of kind of reality stuff but not that real cheesy stuff there was one called cook like a chef that had a really good producer that took real proper old school high profile chefs and they showed traditional cooking techniques and really really nice set and that would just really very canadian ingredients and it, it was just really well made and it i got interested in it so i um i started reading a lot of cookbooks and just starting out with the basics mm. And then around the time I was 15, I, uh, they do uh, a work experience thing. Yeah. And so I did six months of that at the beginning of high school. Where'd you go? Uh, I went to a little uh, a bar called Solo Bar and Grill Wine Bar. And it was actually, it was not bad. Um, and then the minute I completed that, I dropped out of high school after my six months. Yes. And uh, went and got three jobs. 
as you do. Yeah. Wow. And uh, never looked back. And what was your, what was the first job? My first ever job. No, no, no. After the grill, you said you got three jobs. Oh, yeah. So oh, one was, uh, one was a modern Chinese restaurant doing larder called Monsoon. That was quite good. I think that won a James Beard Award or something. Yes. Uh, there was one. There was an Indian place called Daba. Um, I'm trying to think of the third one. I went through. I went through a lot of places. So some different ethnicities of, of yeah. cooking and different just, styles and sort of stuff. Just wanted to cook. I, you know, I, I did everything. I I got fired from a yacht club for burning the owner's chicken fingers. That was a good one. I left him in the fryer too long. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I thought you maybe you're calling the owner you yeller, and I'm going to burn your fingers, <laughs> your chicken uh, fingers. For everything I did, catering, fine dining. I ran a Japanese kosher restaurant, which <laughs> we used to have. <laughs> sorry, it was a Japanese folks. It was a Japanese kosher steakhouse, and yeah, because it was it's there's different laws of kosher. There's different kosher boards and styles of kosher, and they. they they have really? different symbols, and it has to do with different. So you have more progressive kosher people up yeah, to more, eating more bacon, orthodox, or yeah, and that. And so we used to have people drive from kind of upstate New York. We'd have people drive six hours over the border to come eat there because that was the you know they wanted they had to eat kosher, but you know there was nothing <laughs> like that in the U.S. So they would drive to Canada to have dinner. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, and uh, so to so interest in food, and then how on earth did you find yourself here? Because um, it is—it's pretty far away from Toronto. Always other other end of the world. I just I always had the idea of leaving, and uh, actually, I lost my job on Christmas Eve. Yes. Uh, was there an incident? No. Oh, okay, just it was a check. misunderstanding. A mis- yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's all. I like this. So, uh, have I, you heard of this story? Ian? Uh, th- I have heard many stories. Yes. 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 Yeah. And, um, and they so all involve a misunderstanding. Yeah, it, it was, was just uh, a misunderstanding. It was it was a misunderstanding. Okay, so, so the place blew up. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was you know it was like that when I found it. Okay, so the people were on fire. And uh, so yeah. the next day, I bought a I bought a ticket. I, there's always a pretty well-known students working abroad swap program where it's a reciprocal visa exchange mm. among Canada and Australia. Yes. You can only get it to a certain point, so I knew my time was running out. you got to be under 28 or something. So oh, yes. I just decided the next morning, you know, I think I had a few drinks the night before or something, and I got up and went to a travel agent and bought a, bought a flight to Australia. And somehow this Anglo-Canadian alliance happened. How on earth did how did, you, how did he when did you meet him Ian what uh, happened somebody rang me and said oh there's a guy looking for a job he's working in the pub yes and um, he wants the job but he's he's a butcher and, and you were low I thought well I've always wanted our own things so I don't buy the portion control meat and all mm. that sort of stuff and I all as much as it kind of pains me I I, I love the honour of what he does and also. You know, it's taking back to old school stuff what we do, and and to do it properly, and to and to show the apprentices how we do things and and stuff like that, and and for what he teaches people, it's uh, you put up a bit of uh, his eccentricity, and but uh, for what he uh, teaches people and for what he brings to our business, it's it's just quite phenomenal. Because what you were doing, Simon, sort of reminds me of what happens in brigades in the big hotel kitchens mm. that you are able to have all your stuff done. In house, and that is enormously. Um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? First of all, it's good for profits uh, yep. to do to control your things and thing, and it's very liberating. Yeah. Was the word that I'm looking because you can get your own stamp on the things that you. So, what are some of the things that you do for Ian across the board? So we've got um, we've got like a, a smoking and brining program. So because of all the number of different venues from the sandwich bar to fine dining, mm. so we've got. You know, we'll have four or five different types of pastrami's. I've got a nine-score Wagyu pastrami in one venue. I've got a nice grass-fed Angus, Victorian Angus pastrami at the sandwich bar. How many pastrami's? Oh, I don't know. It's probably five. There's a wild deer one wow. that goes on city wine shops. So we've got a smoking program that would be bacon, pig's cheek bacon, uh, fresh hams, dry-cured hams, pastrami's. Um, there's an entire small goods program, dry-cured muscle groups, prosciutinis, prosciutto's, capicolas, brazolas, et cetera, et cetera. There's a salami program. Fresh sausage program. City One Shop and Kirk sell an absolute monstrous amount of those. Um, dry aged beef, fresh beef. Oh, uh, what else? The list goes on and on. It goes and on, the on. He's dry aging some lamb, and so I, I had some yesterday. This dry aged lamb that he had is yeah. exceptional. Yeah, really? that's, and it, that's and it tastes good. like a steak. And you know, we'll talk more about meat prices soon, but yeah, it is mm. exceptional. 
and uh, pickling as well for the whole group. So we do. I had a pickle company for a bit that I was running when I was butchering. Yes. Um, just because so I was bored, and so we do that for the whole group. And they use between the group, they use a lot. The, the, the one thing I remember, we were, we were having that conversation at the Palais before the, the sort of the wine got the better of me anyway, um, was, and the one thing that I uh, seemed to recall was uh, you said one of the things you didn't want to touch was uh, fermented sausage products, like doing salamis. Yeah. Because you said, look, it's just the, the, the public liability. You, you have one mistake and it's That's it. It's so we don't, done. we don't so produce that anymore do. for a la carte, correct. I do, I'm involved... Uh, Still kind of involved in the salami community. I'm Are you doing the judging thing this week? Yeah. Well, that's the mm. Royal Melbourne Show. I'm judging small goods. Okay. Ah, yes. Fine, um, fine food awards. Yes. Yeah, very, it's very good benchmarking that happens there and there and, yeah, around yeah. that around that area. Yeah, two days of being force-fed salted pork. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Take something you love and you want to you maybe turn yourself against it, make force yourself to do it well i do branded Two beef days. there every every oh. now and then and I, I and you you know knowledge plus experience equals yeah. wisdom i was doing it with john lawson who's okay. uh, the chef yeah, yeah. at number eight john if you're listening hope everything's going How well buddy. He going, by the way he's um he's going he's going good he's had good. A, a couple of health issues but i'll yeah, talk yeah. to you about that off yeah, yeah. Okay, good. um but the one thing we did was we tried to, and we swallowed uh, and I, you I, I, I nearly did damage myself but you let's have to. Uh, let's you have to I want to talk about Chopper's Chopper in a little while because uh, this man has a lovely accoutrement for, for mm. uh, cutting meat, which belonged to uh, to an interesting person. But let's talk about the cost of beef. Of Simon. Oh, sorry. No, cost, yeah. <laughs> He's cheap at half the price yeah, by the sounds hard. of it, Ian. Um, but um, beef, it's uh, there's been a lot of press lately. Yeah. Up to 70%? 70%, 70% over percent this time increase. last year. Record, yeah. record high for live cattle 70 Seven, seven zero, zero. yeah, yep. and that's wow. boxed meat. That's that's everything. That's yeah. driven by export and the dollar, and weather conditions and that. Okay, so the weather conditions. We're talking about uh, Western Queensland. The um, the herd's been diminished up there. Shall we yeah. say? We're also talking American weather conditions, which influences their oh, buying. Yes, because yes. they set they set the the export trends: America, Japan, mm. Korea, and um, that's the thing. I mean, uh, there is. Big money to be made uh, from overseas. So oh, you, you what I'm seeing apocryphally it, I is... I was in Singapore recently and in Jakarta, and uh, they can't get enough Victorian beef. They just w- cannot buy it quick enough. And Wagyu and Tasmanian beef, the whole thing. See, this is we one of the things about being the food bowl of Asia is that eventually <laughs> we're all going to get screwed. <laughs> really? Well, if you can sell it for more overseas and you're a farmer... Yeah, hello, what are you going to do? Well, why would you sell it for the same price in, in Victoria? All right, case in point, Ian, I don't know, when you first maybe you arrived, now you've been here for ages, yeah. remember tiger prawns? We Absolutely. Would, yeah. We would never, <laughs> ever see... I, had never, I hadn't seen a tiger prawn yeah. in a shop for 10 years. That's right. And then the Japanese market crashed, yeah. and then all of a sudden this thing was, uh, was available. Mm. Cheap alternatives... What do you do? I mean, you have to be like, I imagine you guys in the restaurant, you've got to be like water. You've got to flow around this well, thing. Well, you've just got to not serve eye fillet. You've got to look at your eye fillet prices and say, well, okay, that, that's, that's not where we're going with this. You've got to go and do the better cuts and get somebody like Simon to um, to prepare it for you and, and you can serve it. Yeah, it's, mm. it's winter, so we, you know, it kind of plays into that. I mean, we buy an obscene amount of meat for all the restaurants, so... You know, we how, just, how many restaurants now? How many in the group? Uh, all up, about 15, 16, maybe up to 20. What? Yeah, right about. With Kirk's, really? and we, we also Consulting. supply a bit out at Caulfield, out at Ballarat as well. Oh, so yeah, right. Good. Mm. Craig's Royal. Okay, Craig's Royal in Ballarat. Yeah. There we go. Mm. Little, little, little plug. So, um, okay, so seen amount of meat. Uh, so, at the moment, heaps of oxtail and cheeks. Those are still reasonable, but cheeks are going up real quick. Oh, shit. Um, how much are cheeks now? Oh. Uh, you should be 15. able if you go to a normal market you should be able like South Melbourne or something you should be able to get them for about 11 1150 hey. uh, fat cap on yes but I mean it's different when you're buying 100 kilos or 80 kilos at a time but those are still reasonable um, hanger steaks as a brazen cut the still only, very reasonable yeah okay well, well, sorry what is a hanger steak for those that don't know uh, it's the actual it's a lumbar Technically, it's a lumbar portion of the diaphragm muscle. It's just... Oh, good. I'll just write that uh, down. You got that, Matt? Yes. Yeah. It yes. controls... Uh, it's just one muscle that controls oxygen flow to the blood and through the heart. And there's one per animal and only weighs about a kilo and a half. And yes. it's absolute stunner. And off a real nice medium body, rare. you can yeah. also... Medium rare. Yeah. But you can also 
Uh, and I've only started doing this recently. I always thought it was a bit of a joke. You can braise them, and they come up stunning. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, that that nice. kind of makes yeah, sense. You smoke and braise them. They're fantastic. Yeah. Lamb necks as well. You mentioned yeah. we've got those on this weekend. We've got a lamb neck ragu in the city wine shop. Haul on the bone, fat cap on everything. Roast them, braise them. Pick them sweet, tender, big, thick fibers. Just good, Just good stuff. Just beautiful. Just beautiful. And you don't, um, and so much cheaper uh, than a than a shank ever Should could be. Should be about two bucks for a 600 gram lamb neck on yes. the bone. There you go. So there's the thing, there are a lamb neck. You give the average person something like a lamb neck, and they get, they don't know how to do it. Mm. But you know, you got to teach them. Well, what, what do you do? I mean, it's just cooking with time. It mm. is just that that's the equation, really, isn't yeah. it? Aromatic flavour. Put sure. flavour in. What's cook that? it for long enough, and you've done it. That's not rocket science, is it? Really, I appreciate the product. Mm. The thing, the fact that it's fresh. I was think, I was cooking pancakes this morning with my kids. Yeah, I thought there are pe- people out there that don't know what. They can't get access to a fresh egg, you know? Yeah. And you think, how lucky are we? How, yeah. I mean, really. We yeah. are lucky. Now, um, the classics. Um, Wintertime, um, I've managed to cook a couple of things, which has made me very, very happy. And, uh, and you guys have made me very, very happy because uh, the other day I did uh, – I needed some stuff uh, from you guys and you sent me some protein for a – this thing that I was yeah, working on, and one of the things was your other job, bacon. You're yeah, one of the yeah, other yeah. jobs. Other I job, have. Yeah, yeah. pain job, pain job. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something that puts the food yeah, on the yeah. table. Um, but um, the bacon, my god, the bacon you guys do is just amazing. And I made coco vamp, and yeah. I made these lardons from this yeah. bacon with the with the chicken that had been cooked, and it was amazing. What? He's um, an exceptionally talented young man, Simon Paul. Simon Paul, you make the best bacon, mm-hmm. some of the best bacon I think I've ever had in my it's life. The nicest thing anyone said to me today. Today, thank you. Okay, good. Well, you've been speaking with Ian. He's just been abusing you otherwise. He likes it. Tell me, we've only got a couple of minutes left. Uh, The classics that you'd love to knock over for winter on a day like today. Cock of Fantastic. How good would it be? Just red wine sauce, chicken, amazing. I'm not going to lie, we're having chilli tonight. (laughs) Con carne? Yeah. Nice. What sort of meat do you put in that? Uh, No, I like to get my hands on short ribs normally, but Mm. uh, I've got some homemade bacon and I've got some chicken Maryland, so we might go kind of... Arizona style, you know. Arizona. Arizona. What, yeah, what, I don't what's, know. What's, I would uh, just assume they put green chili <laughs> okay. in chicken. I've, I've yeah. never been there. They do that sort of stuff. Um, can we buy the small goods uh, that you produce? No. Punter wise, like Spring Street um, Yeah, you can grocery? get some of them. You can get the, some of the fully cooked stuff, bacons, hams. I think yeah. we'll probably do Christmas ham next year if we're organized enough. We'll structure pre-orders and you can come in and get a double smoked maple glazed heritage breed ham on the bone, off the bone, pick your size. If <laughs> if we're organised enough, um, <laughs> Matt's eyebrows have just uh, gone through the ceiling. Yeah, I'm yeah. hungry. Um, Bring the eyebrows back. But yeah, Matt. F- fully cooked stuff in that. <coughs> Sometimes I put nice uh, pancetta or guanciale in that out. Yep. Anything okay. anyone wants, I can generally pop in and ask for it, and the girls will come back and 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 ask me. Same deal for wild fermented pickles and stuff like that. If I've got got it fermenting in the basement they want it i get it great and don't forget uh one of the great secrets of uh, that area is that cheese room underneath the Go shop oh, god the best yeah. cheese um ever in um thanks for coming in my pleasure uh congratulations on what you're going to be doing tomorrow with yeah, the right. jamie oliver food Found ministry of food the great thing about those i just i, I was listening before yes once they start, when you the first day they're in there, they're all like all shy and all that sort of stuff. By the end of the course, they're all shopping together. They're at fresh food shopping, and that's the great thing about it. They go out and they go to the market together, and they go and choose the chicken and the the beef, the the whole thing. That's the great thing about the, those those classes. They start off a bit rookie, mm. but at the end of it, they're into it, and it can only be good for us. And isn't it amazing? A little bit of technique, yep, goes such a long way. I've traded my whole career has been like that. <laughs> <laughs> Motherhood statements here on 3 Um Thank you very, very much for, for joining us. Simon, keep up the good work. Uh, as thank I said, you. it's uh, to, to get praise from Ian Curley. You've got to be doing something right, sunshine. Hey? Something, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. All right, so um, we've got John Patton. He's the Senior Koori Programs Officer from Bunchalaka Aboriginal Cultural Centre, and we're going to be talking about food in that milieu. Uh, 12.46 on 3 FM. Thanks for coming in, you guys. 12.47 here, 3 triple R. John Patton, a very, very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Thanks for coming in, mate. Actually, I might just push that microphone a little bit closer to you. There we go. 
Happy NADOC week. Happy NADOC hey, week to you, We're mate. coming up to the uh, the end of it now. Has yeah, it that's been, it. NADOC been... week. We've got eight days instead of seven, so just that little bit of extra celebration. Sunday to Sunday. Yeah. Seems it seems like a, a good thing. Now um, you are from not around this area, but more north, correct? Are you saying the coastal rivers, northern New South Wales, northern rivers in New South Wales, and family from down this way as well? So Yorta Yorta in the Murray River, and yes. Bunjalung from far northern New South Wales. And um, what was it like growing up as a as a kid around Amazing. there? Would have been nice to live up around there. Well, at the moment with the the cold snap that we've got at the moment, I'm desperately missing. Uh, my way up there, uh, living on the beaches. <laughs> yes. Although, to be fair, uh, there was a shark attack on the beach I grew up just a couple of days ago, so uh, maybe not too great. Now, where was that? That was in Belgium, wasn't it? Uh, there was two. There was one at uh, Ballina uh, uh, and Ballina. Ballina, Yamba, yeah. where I grew up. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, so uh, I'm pretty happy right at the yeah, moment. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a sort of a good thing. Now, um, the, the, I sort of wanted to get us on a bit of a, a, a food angle sure. because um, I was sort of thinking to myself about the seasonality of food hmm. and how the seasons should, quotation marks, be important to us um, for eating. So December, for instance, I love December because the first um, Kingston Pride mangoes come down from Queensland. Mm. And I do a little happy dance when I see them. So you just heard my feet go there. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, and cherries around, so cherries around um, cup time and stuff like that. But I thought um, if any culture is imbued with the seasons and following stuff around and knowing stuff, it's it's you guys, isn't it, really? Well, yeah, definitely. We react to what we see in the environment around us. Mm. Everything's interconnected. So... Uh, you're not so much waiting for that season to happen. You know that when there is one thing happening, like uh, you, you might see a trail of grubs coming down the, the, the trunk of a tree, that that's the time of the year that you're heading to the coast to eat mullet because they're doing their annual run. Uh, you know that when... Cause and effect and... Sure. Yeah, when, and when wattle is falling on the water or uh, just falling in general, that that's the time of the year that you're probably not going to be touching turtles because that's when they're spawning. So you're going to make sure that you've got that food stock for the next season and the season after as well. Yes. So, yeah, you get into that whole notion of uh, not being just a consumer or, yeah, rapacious consumer, but a steward of the land and keeping um, stuff around. So responsibility. Next time for when it it comes around. So this area here, um, what sort of foodstuffs – can we talk a bit about the the foodstuffs that are around – um, the Melbourne Bay areas, for instance. Well, one of the most important things for Victoria and Melbourne as well is uh, the Murnong daisy. So Murnong is a, a vegetable crop that was grown right through Victoria, right up into the Snowy Mountains, high country. It was everywhere, wasn't it? It was. There yep. are explorers' journals and uh, early settlers. They wrote about it extensively and said everywhere they went, they saw these beautiful yellow fields all over the place, mm. Aboriginal women tending to them. It was their responsibility in the group to, to look after these farms. Yep. And where are they now? They're, they're gone because she introduced animals. It was, sheep, the, it was the sheep. And yeah. We, so the sheep, by compacting the... Uh, it was because of the compaction of the ground, yes. wasn't it, by the sheep, that it, this daisy wasn't able to come through anymore. And right. more importantly, there was a, a rear zone in the soil that you could eat. Was, yeah, so... Um, it was like a tuber, a tuber underneath it that yeah, was so really, it, really good. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, so when it's raw, it, it kind of has a, a, a touch of coconut flavour to it. But when you cook it, to me, it's uh, it's like going to the fish and chip shop. It, it tastes like a roast potato. Mm. So absolutely delicious. And we're fortunate now because uh, one group is starting to... Uh, Cultivate? Go, well, yeah. Along the Merry Creek, you have the Wurundjeri people or, or the Wurrung people who are bringing that part of their culture back. And uh, hopefully other groups around the state will continue and look to the, the past and our traditional cultures and help to, to bring back some of those things that might be a little bit endangered. Sounds like a, right, that, that kind of makes sense. So one of the things, um, seasons-wise, um, the eels. When do the eels happen around? Because the, the yarrow was very, very important for, um, for providing food with, the, with eels, was it not? It was, it was certainly very important on the yarrow. Um, so all the waterways in Victoria and 
throughout much of Australia, they were all farmed, so you had aquaculture systems. Farmed aquaculture, that's very right. important to know. It wasn't just sort of just chuck in a net or, or spear something. It was sure, you, you can uh, look back through lots of literature. Even people like Mary Gilmore talked about when she was a, a young girl uh, growing up that everywhere she went in New South Wales and Victoria with her father in, in their travels that she'd encounter uh, fish traps and balks on Every creek, every uh, waterway. What you call fish traps and what? Balks. So they, these are the uh, basically uh, they they look similar to like a, a, a beaver lodge, perhaps. Yes. So it's just a, a built-up system, a, a dam, and uh, especially on seasonal streams, the, the the fish would get caught in there. But the other thing too was that Aboriginal people also managed the waterways so that the larger fish would be kept from the smaller fry. So in some cases, you're looking at rivers supporting more fish than they would naturally support today. Wow. Okay. Uh, that's a shame. We haven't been able to keep that going, huh? Definitely. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm just thinking of other uh, things. Okay, so uh, a lot of us might know about what we call native spinach or warrigal green. green. yeah. You want to talk a bit about that? Oh, it's an interesting thing that uh, in different parts of Australia, Aboriginal people, different groups, whether they're, they're Koori or Murray or you break it down into the, the, the smaller uh, family groups and clans and, and whatnot, different areas, they ate different foods. So in Sydney, uh, they wouldn't touch it. Down here in Victoria, it was quite really? common. Yeah, so uh, you, you had those regional variances. Perhaps the, the palates were that well-defined, I'm not certain. Yeah, okay. Well, we've always been a bit uh, more culturally aware, haven't we, down here in the in the south, I Perhaps suppose. That might so, be it. so maybe there was a bit of a Sydney, Melbourne. Well, yeah, that sort of thing may be happening uh, to a certain extent. But Warrigal, uh, for those that have never tried Warrigal, um, there's stands of this that well, it's growing everywhere, and I know around mm. St Kilda, there's there's Warrigal that you can just go and pick, but you need to cook it, don't you? Uh, from what I understand, there there are some slight issues when it when it is raw it's so, oxalic uh, acid it's mm. the same as uh, like rhubarb leaves it's just that you yeah. have to cook that out otherwise um you get a bit of a nasty um a nasty tummy that's right and it's the same with the daisies that you were talking it's got to be the right ripeness or there's there's some sort of thing you, ha- you have lots of issues like that with uh numerous plants uh to give you a really great example of that uh you might look at something like the kangaroo apple Yes. which is a plant that doesn't have uh, much uh, nutritional value, but when it is ripe, you can eat it. Yes. Uh, but when is it ripe? Uh, some people might see that it changes from green to yellow and then perhaps want to go and pick it, and that would be a really bad idea because it's still not at the zenith of when it's ready to eat. When it's orange, when uh, most of the animals would have picked it off the, the plant already, mm. that, that's when you'd eat it. But Aboriginal people would go and bury it in the sand hills and just come back to it when it's ripe so it's uh, ready to go. But uh, whilst it, it, it'll fill you up, it doesn't give you much of a nutritional uh, value, but what it does have in it is a, a natural steroid, which uh, you find uh, pharmaceutical companies are... Uh, uh, utilising not here in Australia but overseas, Russia, yeah, Russia, Russia and the Ukraine, heaps of them, aren't they? Mm. So, so, so they've seen the benefit of it. Well, that, that's it. There is so much to learn from traditional Aboriginal knowledge in Australia, but we're not maximising that potential because even now there, there's still a reluctance to in, to, to learn, embrace, and embrace yeah. Aboriginal culture. Yeah, yeah, it's it is. It's kind of crazy, isn't it, that we have this. Okay, we look at Chinese medicine's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, because they've had, what, a couple thousand years to observe the body and what sort of happens. So there's this great cause and effect that they've been able to, to do. It's the same with you guys, isn't it? That, That's you know, exactly right. You're looking at 75,000 years, the world's oldest living culture, and 2,000 generations of people where <laughs> you're living in harmony with the environment and... You don't live for that long on a continent without doing things right. You might make some mistakes along the way, but live and learn, and you learn from your ancestors, and things are passed down, and there is a wealth of knowledge there, and a lot of it has been lost. There's still a huge amount that is still surviving, Mm. but there needs to be more people who have their ears and eyes and hearts and more open to to learning. What what are you doing within the uh, Melbourne Museum to, to make this a reality? Well, uh, when it comes to, to plants, it's only a, a very small part of my role because yep. generally my, my role is to develop and uh, 
uh, run a lot of the education programs for Bunjalaka, the Aboriginal Cultural Centre there. Mm. So uh, limited time to be able to explore these things. We have uh, Aboriginal people that are interpreting things like uh, over at the uh, Botanic Gardens and uh, people over at the Korea Heritage good, Trust. There's some good stuff happening in the Botanic there, there Gardens. Is, isn't there? there definitely is. But, you know, we're only a, a few people and there, there needs to be more more resources to to really tap into the potential of what can be shared and, and learnt. Hmm. Well, if there's anything we can do to help around here, maybe we should um, have another chat no, with just the excuse of NADOC week. Sure. Um, we should come back and maybe um, see if we can kick this down the road a little bit. Sounds really good, mate. Yeah. Um, one thing that um, we might see around the place um, that's uh, great, Lily Pilly. Mm. The Lily Pilly. I mean, uh, one of the things that I, I used to love just walking along the street and flicking them at car windows and <laughs> things like that. But I was a bit of a delinquent uh, younger. But um, you can make really beautiful jellies. With, have you had Lily Pilly jam? Jelly, jam, uh, I've heard of people making cider, uh, oh, throwing it into the beer. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. So, uh, yeah, there, there's always those potentials. Uh, it, it doesn't go too well in, in cake or anything like that. It's, mm. no. uh, I, I suppose you could put potentially maybe do something like a pie because it has that acidity to it uh, along the lines of a cooking apple or a straight yeah, apple. A, a malic acid, sort of that yeah. hard acid, isn't it? So, yeah, it, it is a, a particular flavour that's an acquired taste, but... Uh, at the moment, I, I struggle to, to get my hands on, on a, a bunch of lily pilly. We, we've got uh, a large tree uh, growing in the Malari Garden at, at the museum, and uh, the possums tend to get to it before <laughs> I do. Beat the possums. Yeah. Yeah, they're getting... That's something I've noticed in the last 10 years. Possums just eat everything nowadays. Mm. Hey, John, keep uh, doing the good work you're doing, um, and let's, uh, let's see you again here very, very soon, huh? Will do, mate. Yeah, Take sounds care. good. Uh, Manny, we've got to go, don't we? We've got to get out here. The Download are on next. They're warming up in Studio One. Yes. Um, my God, um, it keeps you entertained. Yeah, <laughs> I've got to say, big compliments to uh, the Download. Been enjoying listening to them on the way home. Yes, likewise. Uh, yes, uh, look forward to hearing the cast of characters that they have. It's one o'clock here on Sunday. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Matt, we'll see you soon. See you buddy. next week. Thanks again, John. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.